All right, the final hour for me this week off tomorrow. But with it being a Thursday evening, let's check in with a regular on this show, a regular on this station. He does a phenomenal job covering the Minnesota Vikings. You know the name, Matthew Kyler, Mr. Purple Insider himself. He's joining us here on uh, the Lake Show. Matthew, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, how's the uh, the snow treating you, man? Has, has it been a busy day for you, shoveling or getting around in the uh, in the elements? Yeah, uh, so the way that my driveway is, I'm in the perfect spot for all the plows to have all the snow go into my driveway. Yes. So uh, several, oh, my bad. several I'm sorry. times, yeah, several times a day, I have to go out to the end of the driveway if we want to get our cars out and, and shovel it out. So woe is me every time that it snows. So wait, you get dumped on because of the way it's situated there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of like we're the first driveway, mm-hmm. you know, on the block. So everything from the rest of the block, it doesn't get like dumped in the first, you know, five driveways before us. It's like everything <laughs> in the run up goes right in ours. So it's, I mean, there have been times where one snowplow going by has been like up to my waist. Wow. With the amount of snow that gets dumped in our driveway. So Well, they just, they know you're from Buffalo, man. They want to make you feel home. <laughs> like you're home. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, no, I, I don't enjoy that part. I didn't enjoy it when I was in Buffalo, and I don't enjoy it here. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. All right, well, let's talk Vikings, man. You've got uh, some work to do a day ahead because it's not a Sunday game, but now a Saturday game at noon at U.S. Bank Stadium. The opponent, the Indianapolis Colts. And I, I want to know, what, what is your view of the Indianapolis Colts? You know, they had the, the, the coaching uh, change here in the season. Jeff Saturday is in now. There was controversy surrounding that. Um, they installed or reinstalled Matt Ryan as the starting quarterback. Uh, they've been very, very inconsistent in terms of um, being effective on the ground with Jonathan Taylor, and I know he missed some time earlier in the season. But what is your 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 view of the Indianapolis Colts as a group? I think that if you were to go through – all of the organizations in the entire NFL and say, which ones do I not want to be? They would be a top three pick. Like, uh, I mean, probably like Arizona, uh, you know, would go under that category. Maybe the Denver Broncos with the uh, albatross of a Russell Wilson contract that they're stuck with now. But I mean, Indianapolis is right there. And this, this was supposed to work. Like this was supposed to be, Bring in Matt Ryan, and it'll be just like Philip Rivers was a couple of years ago. They'll run the ball well. He'll throw it to a couple of young receivers, and they'll play great defense, and they'll coach really well with Frank Reich, and they'll be right there in the playoff race in a division that's kind of putrid, right? And instead, it's just been a complete and utter tire fire disaster. I mean, there's there's no other way to describe this than it's been one of the most disappointing, most terrible outcomes of any team so far this year to have Matt Ryan be as bad as he's been to look like he's just completely washed and to then end up being kind of the joke of the league by hiring a former player that must be just friends with Jim Ursay and not giving the opportunity to other interim coaches that maybe might have had a chance to turn some things around. I mean, you look at uh, Carolina, like at least Steve Wilkes has that team playing competitively after they had, you know, a joker as a coach in Matt Rule, but instead they go with a complete amateur. And, And don't tell me that playing in the NFL for that long qualifies you to be a head coach. It most definitely does not because there's lots of coaches that never step foot on the NFL field and, and work 20 years to get those jobs and things like that. So they're dealing with 
they're dealing with an owner who's kind of nuts and a roster that has just broken down on them. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's as bad as it gets. And and so that's why I mean for the Vikings, if you want a get right game, I mean you're literally playing like the worst offense in the entire league. So you couldn't have it go better for all the pressure to be on the defense for this week. All right, so so I'm 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 with you on all of that, but my I want to get to to something that you mentioned with regards to Matt Ryan though, uh, because I definitely want to ask you a question about the quarterback. Is he, in your opinion, is he washed? Is he done? Do you think that this is the end of the road for him? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If he plays after this, he's doing himself a complete disservice. He can't move. He can't throw. I mean, he, you know, he played against the Vikings in 2020 and had actually a good game. But I remember thinking in the press box, watching the, the ball fly, like, I can't believe how slow the football is going. You know what I mean? Like for Matt Ryan, a guy who at one time had elite athleticism and arm strength, he's this big guy, but he can move around and he can make plays and all those things. And he was like, you know, the Matty Ice. And it didn't look anything like that, even though they beat the Vikings that day. And I thought, well, this probably isn't going to last much longer. And he ekes out seven wins on a horrendous Falcons team so everybody kind of tried to talk themselves into well you know it was just the Falcons and the Falcons roster was bad it sort of ignored that he was throwing Greg Maddox fastballs out there I mean just floating the ball you know all over the field so now I mean he's afraid to throw interceptions so he can't push the ball down the field at all but everybody knows that so they're playing up in tight coverage which I'm sure the Vikings are going to do this week and he's throwing these three-yard checkdowns that are going absolutely nowhere. Another problem is, too, that the Colts had a great offensive line a couple of years ago with Phillip Rivers. Yep. Their offensive line now is terrible. Yep. And this is one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. So you combine a completely washed quarterback with an offensive line that's, that's terrible, a coach who doesn't know what he's doing. I mean – yeah. And you get them being blown out 54 to 13 or whatever it was. Yep. We're talking to Matthew Collar uh, for the Purple Insider here on the Lake Show on News Talk 830 WCCO. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter at Matthew Collar if you still have an active Twitter account. Oh, man, this is crazy tonight what's going on on Twitter. Uh, cl- clearly, Elon Musk, he likes Matthew Collar. I mean, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. No, we all love him. I'm joking. No, no, I'm no. joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. We no, all, no, we, no. we all, we all, we sports. That's we, the thing. I know. We all love Matthew Collar. That was, that was going to be the, uh, the end of my little funny joke there, weird joke there. Anyway, I always have weird jokes when I'm, when I'm talking to Matthew. All right. So, so, so <laughs> we, we, we talked about, um, Matt Ryan and we also talked about, you just mentioned how bad their offensive line is. But what about their defense? Tell me a little bit about their defense because they used to be well, – you just mentioned how bad their offensive line is. But what about their defense? Tell me a little bit about their defense because they used to be an organization that if you looked aside from the quarterback being amazing with Peyton Manning and even when Andrew Luck was there and then having good wideouts with Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison all together, and, and, and good running backs, good skill position guys, right? Then there was – in in a very short amount of time, their defense started to get a little bit better and it started to balance out just a little bit. But it's, I don't know what to make of their defense right now. You watch it and, and break it down more than, than anybody I know. What do you make of the defensive side of the football for the Colts? I mean, I, I think the fact that they haven't been demolished considering how much they've had to be on the field says something about them. And when you look at the roster – it's a little scary. I mean, not that I think the Vikings have much chance of losing this game, knowing there's a lot of pressure on them to win this one after a bad loss against Detroit. But when you look across this defensive line specifically, 
you know, we've sort of seen this movie before with the Vikings playing games that are a little too close for comfort against teams that aren't that good but actually have one or two good defensive players. DeForest Buckner is still one of the elite players in the league at his position. I mean, he's an absolute monster. They also have a nose tackle named Grover Stewart, who, you know, it's going to be hard to watch him on TV. But, it, I mean, the Vikings have not run the ball very well. And last week they got completely stopped. And Grover Stewart in the middle is one of those guys that can stuff a couple of gaps and make it very difficult for them to run the ball. Uh, Quiddy Pay was a high draft pick a couple of years ago. He's done pretty well. Everybody knows Yannick Ngakwe will play – 50 snaps and 49 of them will be awful, but the one is a strip sack. So you have to, <laughs> you have to be very concerned. You have to be very concerned about Yannick Ngakwe. I mean, we're, we're, we're seeing Christian Derrissaw come back this week, and their hope is that waiting the extra week gets him back to 100%. So that definitely helps. Garrett Bradbury appears to be healthy, so he's going to be back. That helps for the run game. But if there's, there's just one thing that gives you the slightest bit of hesitation about being super confident about this result, it's, hey, could DeForest Buckner strip sack Kirk Cousins a couple times and you get upset at home? because of it. I don't see that happening, but they actually do have a lot of talent on defense. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we don't really think that much about Jeff Saturday as a coach. We're not confident in their offense. The defense will give them a little bit of respect. Let's look at the Minnesota Vikings side of the equation. I am concerned about their defense, and I'm not saying like I'm concerned necessarily about this Saturday, but just, I mean, bottom line, man, this this defense is struggling, man. It's been leaking for four weeks. What do you make of it? Uh, you know, where I was concerned, I think, most was Ed Donatel's press conference because I couldn't figure out what I was supposed to be taking away. You know, he was saying that it's not the pass rush. He's happy with the pass rush. Okay. Well, it's it's not his scheme. Okay. It's 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 the execution of the scheme. Uh, okay. So you're blaming the players here. That's what you're doing. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just a little bit. It was just a little bit puzzling because Kevin O'Connell was pointing more at the scheme when he was talking to us. He was saying, we have to be honest with ourselves. We have to look at how we're playing. You know, we have to change up our coverages. We have to send more blitzes. So he's been laying down some of the hints of things that they're going to do. And then Ed Donatel comes out and says, no, nah, no, no, it's not my fault. It's like, uh, okay, uh, this, this sounds like John B. Filippo and Mike Zimmer uh, circa 2018 where – Mike Zimmer would say we need to run the ball more, and John Filippo would say, no, we're not, and then he wouldn't do it. And so you've got yourself a situation here. And, yeah, I mean, the Colts can cure some ills, but also if you give up any yards at all to the Colts, it's going to be a total calamity uh, if they don't change up the coverages, if they don't find ways to pressure a quarterback who can't move and has a horrible offensive line. Like it also has the potential to kind of go the opposite way, but I don't know that there's any solution. I mean, when you look at the personnel that they have, the weaknesses that they have, there are a lot of star players on this team, but there's also a lot of players who I don't know how many teams they start on. I don't know how many playoff teams they start on. You know, Tandon Sullivan and Cam Dantzler has had a horrendous year this year, and you know they've played a lot of backups, and Cam Bynum I don't think has you know developed quickly into you know a great partner for Harrison Smith, there's a reason why they wanted to draft Lewis Seen because they wanted him to be that guy and not Cam Bynum. So I, I don't know if there's a solution to make this defense really good, but maybe like a little better if Ed Donatel will admit that he has to make some changes. Yeah. I saw one of your tweets from earlier today, Bradbury, Dantzler, Hunter, Jones, Phillips, all questionable for Saturday. 
Um, Christian Darisaw, though, we're, we're assuming he's going to be back in action on Saturday? Yep, yep. Uh, the one that I really think you got to be nervous about is Daniel Hunter because it was a neck injury. And, you know, we remember the famous, it's a tweak from Mike Zimmer, yep. and then he ends up missing the entire season. And his neck is held up so far. I mean, I don't think he's been on the injury report with any neck issues since then. It was a torn pec that had him out last year. But that's the last thing you want to see because, you know, Zadarius Smith got after it a little bit last week, but he had kind of been MIA for a few weeks with a knee issue. And they only rushed these two guys. I mean, that's the thing is that there, there isn't anybody else who can make an impact. I mean, Delvin Tomlinson earlier in the season was, but, you know, he had a calf injury and he hasn't really – um, you know, gotten after the passer the last couple of weeks. And I think that what we see from this year is Mike White, Mac Jones, Jared Goff, it doesn't matter. If you give a quarterback who's an NFL player with weapons time to throw, they're going to find people. It's just the reality of the NFL. Like, look look at teams against San Francisco. It's the exact opposite. Like, they can't find anybody because there's just instant pressure. I, I mean, the, the Vikings don't really have an answer there. There's no player they can bring off the bench. Uh, you know, I mean, are they going to blitz more? Like, they should. They should send Harrison Smith. They should send Jordan Hicks. But it just doesn't seem like Ed Donatello wants to admit that that's a thing he should do. Um, so I, I think that the situation is really, really concerning, and they have three or four games, depending on the whatever it looks like for Week 18, to kind of prove that it's not. I mean, because they're not playing any good offenses. So if they continue to get smoked, there's going to be very little belief going into the playoffs in this defense. What do you make of Zadarius Smith's year? Because I feel like, and I'm not saying he's having a bad year, but I think that when you look at his nine and a half sacks, it's just like a lot of it's come against a, a few teams or like a lot of the production has came out of a few games. How, how overall do you do you view his season to this point? I, I look at him as being the best possible version of what you could have gotten out of Darius Smith. I mean, like the 98th percentile for what they could have hoped they could have gotten. And, you know, he does only have eight and a half sacks. I, sh- I say only. It's been a good year. But he also leads the entire NFL in quarterback pressure this mm. season. And I agree with you that there were a few games. I think he had nine pressures in three different games, which is kind of crazy. But that's also making such a massive impact on the game. Uh, They've moved him around all over the place. But I think, you know, one of the problems is, and this sort of shows you how defenses work, that one guy being that good can still not, you know, make an entire defense tick. Like you need multiple pass rushers. You need three, four. Like think of the, the best Vikings team, and they had so many guys. It, was just, it wasn't just Everson and Daniil. It was also Linval Joseph and Tom Johnson and Brian Robison, and, this, like the, and they would blitz Anthony Barr all the time. So they had five, six guys that could get a pressure. I mean, Harrison Smith used to blitz a lot. Five, six guys that could get a pressure at any given time. And this team has two, and they just make those two guys their entire pass rush. And I think that we see that even with the league's leader in quarterback pressures, you still can't get a consistent pass rush by just using two dudes. Uh, real quickly, your thoughts on Saturday Vikings win, right? I mean, it should be a murder, but I don't know. Like with this team, I, I, I think I, I do think that last week was a bit of a wake up call, a bit of slap in the face. Hey, you're not going to get the big time interception every single week. You got to make some changes, and I think it, 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 it maybe allowed themselves to look themselves in the mirror after they had been getting away with a lot of things and they'll come out and win by 21. But that's a, that's a hard prediction to make for a team that never seems to do that.
Yep. Hey, Matthew, man, if I don't talk to you, which I, no, you know what? I will talk to you. I'll talk to you before we get out of here. I'm getting out of town for the, uh, the Christmas holidays. But uh, have an awesome weekend. Maybe, just maybe I'll see you on Saturday. But if not, man, have an awesome weekend, and we'll talk next week. Sounds good, Henry. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. That's Matthew Collar. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter, at Matthew Collar. But also, most importantly, check out uh, Purple Insider. It does a phenomenal job, purpleinsider.com. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. More Lake Show next. All right, back with you here on the Lake Show, News Talk 830 WCCO. Thanks again to Matthew Collar for being on the show. Truly appreciate it. Uh, we got 30 minutes left here. And one of the things that I am going to do, because we do have the breaking news about, and it seems like there's a, a lot going on on Twitter. Elon Musk is losing it, uh, and he is long time been saying, oh, free speech, free speech. It's not about free speech. That's That was a farce. It's not true. Um, he's allowing right-wing extremists back onto the platform, and he's trying to kick everybody else off. And we're seeing it tonight. Aaron Rupar, um, his Twitter account has been permanently suspended. Even Tony Webster's uh, Twitter account has been permanently suspended, it looks like. It's just a lot going on. So I reached out to Aaron Rupar. Um, because we're we're friends like that, and he has agreed he'll come on the show here in just a matter of moments. So we'll take a break now. Uh, We'll take a look at the local weather with the meteorologist Paul Douglas, and then we'll talk to Aaron Rupar. He joins us next here on The Lake Show. All right, welcome back to The Lake Show. News Talk 830-WCCO. I shouldn't say that I'm surprised, um, but I am disappointed. You know, I've always liked Twitter. I've always appreciated Twitter. Uh, Twitter has absolutely changed ever since the uh, the ownership of Elon Musk. And now one of my favorite, if not favorite, Twitter account has been permanently suspended. Aaron Rupar is joining me here on the John Schuster Cole Banker Hotline. Uh, as a journalist, as somebody that um, I truly appreciate and who reports on things that matter to, I think, all of us in this country and in this world, um, I appreciate him giving me some 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 minutes here and an opportunity to, to hop on the show and, and talk me kind of through this. First off, Aaron, happy holidays, man. I wish we were we were chatting on the air about Timberwolves basketball and some other fun things, and we're not. But um, just kind of just walk me through th- this evening, man. Like Like, tell me the – how how we got to this particular point this evening? Yeah, well, uh, nice to join you, Henry. Um, yeah, basically, I was sitting on the couch um, a few hours ago when I started getting messages on Instagram and text and email, uh, people pointing out that my account had been suspended. Um, you know, so that was news to me, obviously. And I thought maybe I was being trolled, but I pulled up my account on you know my phone, and sure enough. Um, I tried to send out a test tweet and it said, your account is suspended. You're not allowed to do this. And then a short time later at the top of my feed, um, a notice appeared saying that I've been permanently suspended for violating the rules. Um, I can still read tweets. I just can't post. So it's been kind of an interesting living wake type situation tonight, looking at my timeline and seeing all the people mostly tweeting nice things, which has been cool to see. But um, 
So as I've been talking with other journalists tonight and kind of trying to piece together what happened here, and now I've seen that Elon himself has been tweeting about this a little bit. Um, I think what prompted this was yesterday when the Elon Jet account was banned on Twitter. And for people who don't know, there was an account that basically tracked Elon's private jet using publicly available information, uh, you know, where he was flying to and from and how long he was in the air, things like that. Um, And when that account was banned, I posted a tweet just noting that the same account was still alive on Facebook with the link to the Facebook page for the Elon Jet account. And it turns, turns out that at least two other journalists who've been banned tonight yesterday posted that same thing, a link to the Elon Jet Facebook page. And uh, Elon's tweets, you know, he, he's basically accusing myself and other people who have been banned of doxing him and endangering his family, um, which seems kind of like a stretch, uh, you know, for posting a, a Facebook link. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. So, um, that's all that I know. I have not heard anything at all directly from Twitter. I'm just sort of like inferring what happened based on what other people are telling me and the evidence that I can kind of piece together on my own. So, you know, after all these years of posting content for Twitter, you know, and having billions of views and all that, I mean, it'd be nice if they could at least bother to explain, uh, what's going on here. But, you know, to me, it seems pretty clear that there's some sort of personal beef or political beef underpinning this. And, you know, it's a bummer because Twitter has been huge for me in my career. And that's basically the entirety of my audience, you know, are people that either have uh, started following me on Twitter or, you know, new readers that I attract from Twitter. So it'll be an adjustment to kind of figure out how to adapt from here. But, you know, uh, that's part of life is adapting. So we'll see if it's overturned. And if it isn't, you know, I'll get on post and Mastodon on other platforms and try to kind of continue on from there. I'm totally with you. Like, my existence on Twitter has been a fun ride. Uh, I've enjoyed it, um, although I, I do believe it's coming to an end, N- not just for me, uh, but for everyone, because it's just not the, the the climate, the atmosphere of which we're dealing with right now with Twitter. It's just not sustainable for anybody that wants to be a sane you know, human being and somebody that wants to to be about change in a positive way. I just don't understand how somebody like Elon Musk can in – in in one in one vein, say I'm all about free speech and I want the platform to be to be better than what it's ever been. And then everything that he's been about here for the last month or so has been about elevating the voices of right wing extremists and those that have been off the platform and bringing them back, but then wanting to kick off other people that are viewed as liberal or left leaning. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it is kind of an instructive lesson that um, I think for many years, you know, probably yourself and myself to an extent, too, I sort of operated with the assumption, you know, Twitter was almost like a public utility kind of thing and that there were rules, you know, people got suspended for hate speech or for harassment, things like that. But like, you know, if you were just kind of posting links to Facebook pages or, you know, making fun of billionaires, um, that was that was fine. Right. Um but this is kind of a reminder that, you know, it's a private company and Elon owns it and whatever he wants the rules to be, the rules are. And so um, it is what it is. I mean, Twitter, in that respect, doesn't really owe me anything because, you know, I don't own it. Uh, Elon does. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right that it's gotten more toxic and that, um, you know, it seems like Elon and what the small team that is left there, um, you know, they're kind of making up the rules as they go. Um, you know, this policy change about, you know, not posting people's real-time location was rolled out just yesterday, um, kind of on a whim. And 
Um, as I pointed out last night, Elon posted a tweet that seemed to violate his own policy when he posted a video of uh, someone allegedly, you know, in a car who was allegedly harassing him. Um, but, you know, that violated the policy against posting video of someone without their consent. Uh, but of course, you know, he can get away with that because he owns the platform. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess the, the, the broader picture is just that I think it's, you know, a reminder that um, it's a private company, the owners can do what they want. And I think it's a cautionary tale for journalists and media outlets that, you know, it's probably time to at least kind of diversify to other platforms and sort of get your presence off of Twitter because, you know, if he can make up the rules to ban people like me and other journalists, I mean, you know, it, it seems like um, the rules are basically whatever he wants them to be at a given moment. Yep. And that's not really sustainable for anyone. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's too bad. I think you're right, Henry, that um, it's certainly taken a turn for the worse since Elon has taken over, but it's still a very valuable resource, you know, for real-time information and even you guys know, for posting about the Timberwolves games, for instance. Um, and there isn't really a replacement for that. So I'll, I'll definitely miss it if this is really the end. Um, but I guess it's kind of nice to go out on top. I saw earlier tonight that I was the number one trending topic nationally, which is kind of surreal. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll bask in that, I guess, for at least a couple of days before I get too sad about not being able to post anymore. Hey, I'm still, I'm still upset. I'm still pissed. I'm, I got to tell you right now, that doesn't give, that doesn't make me feel any, any better. We're talking to high profile journalist Aaron Rupar here on the Lake Show on News Talk 830 WCCO. Um, Keith Oberman, I guess, has been um, permanently suspended. Tony Webster has been suspended so so you're not just the only one but I guess you know when I look at this and and, and look I'm not a, a fan of Elon Musk I, that's not like breaking news that everybody kind of understands that about me I me and you have hung out uh, a, a, a time or two and so so you kind of understand how I view the world and all of that but I guess I'm trying to figure out what the end game is here with him. Like, like if it's just destroying Twitter, he's done enough to destroy Twitter. But I wonder what what ultimately is going to be the end game here moving forward. Do you have any clue? You know, I, my sense of things is that he doesn't really have a plan. Um, I think it's basically been kind of shooting from the hip as he goes. I mean, like I mentioned, you know, th- this policy that apparently ensnared me in a permanent ban was just crafted yesterday um, in response to an account that Elon didn't like. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it is from a business standpoint, it's really baffling. I mean, there were reports last night that Elon sold off billions of dollars worth of Tesla shares, which seems to indicate that he's feeling some financial pressure probably to meet Twitter's debt obligations and he has to start paying those pretty soon. But, you know, I mean, it's definitely, this is part of, it it seems like turning Twitter into more of a right-wing place where, you know, this will definitely have a chilling effect on journalists who are covering Elon or critics of Elon, um, where again, anything you post can get you banned. And so I think what that'll do is ultimately kind of tilt the platform to the right in terms of or critics of Elon, um, where, again, anything you post can get you banned. And so I think what that'll do is ultimately kind of tilt the platform to the right in terms of the people who use it and the sentiments that are expressed on it and the type of journalism that happens on it. And you've probably noticed this, too. I mean, my mentions have been stuffed with uh, right wingers way more so than in the past. Um, you know, and it's become a meaner and, um, you know, more right wing place. And I, I guess maybe that's the, the beginning and end of it is just that that's you know Elon wants to to make the platform more of a haven for right wingers. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, there are also, there are already multiple platforms that kind of offer that niche, uh, but that seems like what he's up to. And you know, it is kind of a bummer that there isn't really a viable alternative for people who are more down the middle or left wing uh, people to to you know feel comfortable on social media. But you know, again, I think this will push me to get on some of the other platforms that seem to be growing these days. Um, it won't replace you know, what, what Twitter was, but, um, I think people should be contingency planning because, um, it's, it's definitely getting worse on there in terms of, you know, just the climate, 
um, the arbitrary enforcement of rules and the arbitrary creation of rules. And so, you know, for people like you or myself who spend a lot of time on Twitter and use it for work, that's really a bummer. But again, it gets back to it's a private company and Elon Musk can do what he wants. And I guess he doesn't want me on there. So that's yep. the beginning and end of it. I, I, I totally I hear you on that. But but let me ask you this question, because I'm with you in terms of like you mentioned um, and, and I think graciously he doesn't owe me anything. Right. Because it's a private company now. But do, do you think or have any sense? This is my last question for you. Do you think that political leaders will have something to say about what's going on? Because, look, we can sit here and we can talk about what he's doing. But at the end of the day, I think that there are politicians out there that will look and say, is this good for our country? Is this good for our world? Is this right? So do you think that there will be any political leaders that will step up and have some questions about all of this? Well, I know the White House has already commented on you know, Elon taking over Twitter and basically said that they have you know, concerns about some of the things he had posted. Of course, you know, he posted a conspiracy theory about the Paul Pelosi attack basically a day or two after he took over, you know, that was you know, homophobic in nature and very offensive. And the White House commented after that, um, you know, I think it'll be more of a choice you know, for both politicians and for um, institutions, media outlets as to how long they want to stay on this place. Um, you know, if, if it's time really to, you know, kind of bite the bullet, maybe lose a little bit of your audience to try and grow a following somewhere else. Um, you know, I don't really know what officials could do from any sort of like a policy standpoint, um, you know, to, to rectify this situation. Cause again, it is a private company, but, um, I, you know, I was, I was already kind of surprised at how much the White House has said, um, in expressing concerns about Elon taking over. But, you know, there's not much that they can do. So, you know, I'll be interested just like you are to see, you know, tomorrow and um, in the days that come uh, what people have to say about this. Because, like you said, there's a number of journalists, including myself, who have been suspended tonight. Um, but also the news moves really quickly these days. So I'm kind of basking in my 15 minutes while I can take it. And then um, contingency planning from there to try and grow an audience on different platforms if that's what it comes down to. Well, well, before I let you go, I, I do want yeah. people to be aware of what you are doing because I am a subscriber to uh, Aaron Rupar from Public Notice. Kind of, kind of for the people that are listening and they, they do want to see what you have to say, uh, tell them how to find you. Sure. Yeah, I write and publish the Public Notice newsletter covering U.S. media and politics. I cover a lot of stuff happening on the American right, on right-wing media, uh, Fox News, Trump World. Uh, you know, I cover the Biden White House as well. Um, of course, I used to write for City Pages, which was kind of my local connection here, and I'm still based out of Minnesota. And I do cover Minnesota topics as well, too, when they have a, a relevance for a national audience. But you can find that at AaronRupar.substack.com, or if you just Google Aaron Rupar Public Notice, uh, it'll come up in your Google results. Hey, Aaron, always a pleasure, man, to, uh, to chat with you. Uh, well, you know what? You'll be on Twitter less but you won't be any less around the Twin Cities or going to uh, to different sporting events. So let's uh, let's try to catch up soon, my friend. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right, take care. That's Aaron Rupar from Public Notice joining us here on The Lake Show. And by the way, make sure that you check him out, Aaron Rupar at Substack.com. All right, uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the show. We'll do that next year. All right, thanks again to everybody that joined the show tonight. Dame Mizutani, we're talking Minnesota Wild. Thanks to Matthew Kyle for talking Minnesota Vikings. And thanks to Andy Greeter for talking Gopher Basketball. And thanks to Aaron Rupar for being on the show.
Just an absolute bummer, man. Absolute bummer. What's going on? Elon Musk, free speech, huh? Free speech, you say. Oh, no, just let it ride. Just Yeah, just keep it up. Yeah, we let the music. We just let it. We're going to ride this out to the end, Dennis. That's how we do. Little Miles Davis. I'm a big Miles Davis fan. Oh, doesn't this make you feel good? They just don't make music like they used to. <laughs> you know you're old when you're saying that. I say that about kids. You know, I'm the back-in-my-day guy now. Like, when I was young and hip and all of that and the rap and L Cool J and Run DMC, and now I'm that guy. I'm like, they don't make, they don't make music like they used to. Miles Davis and John Coltrane and, heck, even with the rappers. Half these rappers, I don't even know what the heck they're saying. Mumble mouth rappers. Whatever. It's been fun hanging out with Dennis tonight. Talking to everybody here on the show. But I want to exit the show the same way that I started the show. Because I'm off tomorrow. We typically are joyous over the holiday season. That is not always the case for everybody out there. Everybody knows somebody that's going through something. Be there for your loved ones. Be there for your friends. If you or someone is struggling or in crisis, help is available. You can text 988 or 988lifeline.org. We've heard about the suicides this week. We've heard about the people struggling. I want you all to be safe. I want you to all enjoy the holiday season. I'm off tomorrow. I'll talk to you guys on Monday right here on the Lake Show News Talk, 830. WCCO.